P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Well, Kyle, today's a bit of a change of pace from last week, huh? No. The Savages, <laughs> Mission Impossible, Owen Davian versus John Savage. Come on. Famous Savages. Fred Savage. Yeah, exactly. Ben Savage. <laughs> No, that's the only ones I could think of. That's what that's what they should have made this movie. <laughs> the Savages yeah, and it's Fred, Fred and Ben and Savage. Savage. Boy Meets World or Wonder Years? Your thoughts? Ah, uh, well, I think Wonder Years is like the better show, but I, like I grew up more with like uh, Boy, Meets, Boy World. Meets World. Yeah, I feel I feel the same. Like I think Wonder Years is better made. Yeah, but Boy Meets World is a closer place in my heart. Yes. Would you have liked a cameo? <laughs> or would that have taken away from the movie? A cameo from Fred Savage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they're in the doctor's office, and they're like, uh, Savage? And he's like, ah, nah. <laughs> and then he's in her play at the end. <laughs> yeah, like, it's almost like a Philip Zimmerhoffen's character in Along Came Polly, but it's yeah. like Fred Savage trying to, like, rehabilitate himself. Or Ben Savage, because I feel like Fred Savage... Fred, yeah, Fred more, Savage. I feel like has uh, Girl Meets World was just also uh, canceled. So yeah, yeah. So Ben Savage. Anyway, yeah, Fred Savage has more going on. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, forget the savages. Let's talk about the savages. The film. Iggy Pop. Amen. Let it ride. I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat. We crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Come on, come on. Call me. Uh, it's okay, Whoever she is, I'm going to find her and I'm going to hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home. I'm on cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, Hoff fans, welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Sumer Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always on cool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. Today we have what I think is a great movie, The Savages. I really think that it's not a bold statement to say that this is like in the realm of like a perfect movie. Wow. That's this really high grade. this was, you know, like we just, you know, recently had our second act special and there was like pleasant surprises and stuff like that. It's not like this this was a pleasant surprise cuz I first watched this movie when it came out. I didn't see it in theaters, but we watched it in a writing the screenplay class in college. And um, my professor, like, said she saw us in theaters and fell absolutely in love with it and thought it was the perfect film to show, to show just, like, great story structure and character development. And so we watched this in class, and I went out, like, after that class that day and bought it and watched it again. But I don't think I've even seen, like, clips of it since. So we're talking 2007, 2008. Partially my fault. As, I mentioned, <laughs> yes, yes, as yeah. I mentioned on the Mission Impossible episode, I borrowed your Savages DVD for years yeah. and just returned it. Thank you. So, <laughs> apologies. Yeah. And ironically, I gave it back to you without seeing it for this podcast, so I had to rent it myself today. Uh, so, well, I didn't even, you know, didn't even, but did, wait, did you watch Originally, it long, yes, yeah, that long but, but that was ago, the last time I yeah. saw it. Yeah, I mean, I think this has gone between apartments even, like... 
No. It's possible. (laughs) I just don't remember. Yeah. But regardless, at one point I borrowed the savages from you. Before this podcast was even, you know, a thought in our parents' minds. (laughs) (laughs) Not our parents, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, So apologies, because I've had your DVD, regardless. Quite all right. So I think it's been, we're talking, this movie is now 10 years old. Yeah. But I... 2007. Yeah. 2007. Um, But I... so I think probably the last time I watched it was at least, let's say, like eight years ago. So it, while I knew that it was a really good movie, like, I forgot how freaking great it is. Yeah, so this was a movie I also saw when it came out again, not in the theater. But I was super excited because, again, it was Hoffman coming out of Capote, who at that point I was really a fan. Yeah. And I've always been a fan of Laura Linney. Like, she's just someone who always caught my eye, and she's a tremendous actor. Yeah. Um, she again would be in the great realm of like women to do a podcast. Well, with her, <laughs> if we're gonna get into it, she has a lot of good TV work as well. Yeah. So it would have to. I mean, she doesn't have an Oscar. She has some nominations. She's in one of my favorite rom coms of all time, which is I Love uh, Actually. Love Actually. Think, yeah. Is she topless in that? We always yep, discuss it. Yep, I is. knew it. <laughs> That's has nothing to do. With <laughs> no, 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 because she's not like. Like known for that. Oh no, but I'm incredibly attractive. <laughs> oh, to she's her. a beautiful woman. Yeah, especially I... like her. Like, like I'll go back to the second movie Philip Seymour Hoffman was in, her Auburn hair. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh, sense of a woman? Yes, yeah. please don't. Yeah, don't. Oh, be... What? No, that was that good of an impression. Everyone should know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was the second movie. Anyway, I think we had this discussion, but it was the second episode. Of our second podcast. episode we did. Okay. There we Regardless, go. Laura Linney to me, her big role for me was um, Congo Congo yes no <laughs> um, John Adams the HBO miniseries one of my favorite miniseries yeah. ever I'm a history buff and Abigail Adams herself is one of my favorite historical characters she played an amazing Abigail Adams and she's just again she's just awesome Laura and Lenny is amazing. I mean, it's safe to say, while they do share billing on this, I feel like it's more her film. It is her, yeah. The story is, like, very much driven by, like, her... They're both, like, broken people, but she definitely has a bit more, like character development and like more more to more much more to flesh out like there's rarely like solo scenes with him but there's more solo scenes with her yeah she kills it you know she kills yeah. it so uh well Kyle tell everyone uh what this is about the savages right. kept it nice and simple the savages is about John and Wendy Savage a brother and sister that have to deal with their elderly estranged father by finding him a new suitable home while he begins to suffer from dementia Cool. And not to be confused with a film called Savages. No. Oliver Stone film. Oliver Stone, not good movie. You've seen it? Yeah, with like Aaron, with Quicksilver from Marvel and (laughs) and, uh, John Mar... What's the Mars movie? Quicksilver from Disney Marvel. Yeah, from... from, from, uh, Because there are two Quicksilvers? Yes. Okay. There's X-Men, Days of Future Past, and now I think another X-Men. And now there's Aaron... I think his name is John. The one that was in Godzilla... The one who's married to the Fifty Shades of Grey director. Yes, and then yeah. Taylor Kish, who's in the like Mars. What was that movie? John Carter. John Carter. Yeah. Yeah. There's stuff. The second season of True Detective. But yeah. regardless, we're not here to talk about. <laughs> we're not here to talk about savages. No. We're here to talk about the, the savages. savages. Yes. I remember something that drew me into this film was like the poster, and we'll we will have posted this 
on Monday for Poster Monday. But yes. Not the poster of the DVD because Kyle, you have the DVD next to you. Yeah, I think which, it's which on is the, still cool. But oh, it's oh, it's on, on the, the disc. DVD. Yeah, that like cartoonish poster. Yeah, I love any. Li- yeah, that's. Uh, I would love that poster. Yeah, no, that's a great poster. Um, but it's this is like an quote unquote indie film. It's not actually an indie film. But it's in, like, if you were to go to your blockbuster at the time, and if they had a genre that said indie, yeah. that's what it would be. This is by far my favorite of his, like, lead acting, like, simple films. Like, let me put it into the realm of, like, you've got Love, Liza, you've got your Owning Mahoney. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this So is, far, yes. Again, th- we haven't yeah. seen all of them, but so far, yes. Like, he's not he's not playing someone that's, like, over the top. He's just playing a real person, and I he's just extraordinary. This is another movie where just the looks he gives, like, says a thousand words absolutely so just a little background on the movie before we dive right in um as you mentioned it's a critically acclaimed film it's not uh he was nominated for a golden globe yeah we'll go through the awards we have to because this is like an award film yeah but rotten tomatoes has an 89 percent by the critics one of his highest rated films yeah i mean that's very fair 74 percent by the audience there's a lot of dumb people out there (laughs) (laughs) you know and i was trying to think why and the major reason why is i could see people saying it was a little slow i could see people just being lying and saying that but they just feel freaking uncomfortable uh, but uh, I love that. I love being I love that, but a lot watching. of people don't like... I was watching this again before and it happened, and we're right around the the holidays while recording this, so... Uh, and was, when the episode's out, so don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was watching it, and actually at my parents' house, and my mom had never seen it, and she wanted to see it. I'm actually going to leave it here for them to watch it. But uh, long story short, just like recent years, a lot of family stuff going on between people passing or people in the hospital. And my mom is a strong woman. She's a nurse. She has to deal with a lot of the family Two stuff. Two episodes in a row where you're like really... Yeah, bring really it home. Yeah, way to go, mom. Go, mom. But she was watching it, and she was just like... When he, but, and we're gonna play this clip later on. But when he like is just like straight shooting his dad, like you're in a coma. Then after when you, you know when you die, and those straight, she was like, "Wow!" Like I was that just resonated so much with her. And so I think that's just yeah. You know, I think I imagine it resonates a lot now with that because we have one of the largest generations ever right now getting old. You know. Oh, this, oh, this I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I you know obviously. I can relate to, even in my uh, freelance ghostwriting side projects, I, at a time, wrote for, like, a senior center. And just, like, doing the research, I'm like, oh, my God, this is heavy stuff. I remember reading an article uh, that I had to, I guess, paraphrase, if you will. And it was about, like, one of the uh, chapters or parts of the article was about, like, how to shower an older person with dementia and make sure they don't hit you. Oh, you know? God. Like, dark. I might, that, while I was watching this, and so my mom's in the background, then my sister and brother-in-law come over, and I just, then they sit on, like, the, like, the couch, like, next to me, and I just turn to my sister, and I go, just letting you know now, when we have to deal with this shit as a brother and sister <laughs> later on, I am going to be a really shitty sibling. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be good dealing with this stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, so before we get into anything like that, yeah, Kyle, do you want, the, do you want the pu- plug pulled if it's... 
<laughs> What's your end of life choice? Oh yeah, well, on I, yourself. I'm just joking. You don't have to answer that, but you can if you want. <laughs> oh yeah, pull, pull, pull the pull the plug. Pull the plug. Pull the plug. So it's not a life, even if it's like close. Clo- like is there is there like you uh, scrape your knee, you go to the like hospital. not to deme- like in like the like if it's like something brain related. No, if they're I don't know if it's like organ related. I guess maybe because obviously there's like, but also if I'm older, honestly at that point, like I don't know, it's like I'm not. I like to think I'm not like a salt. Like give it to someone else. Like if I'm, it, it all depends on how old I am. I, I guess that's the, that's a big fair. Yeah. Anyway, you know my policy: use any financial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Waste all funds. All funds. Yeah. Keep me alive yeah. if the Mets have not won a World Series in my lifetime. I would honestly like I like you're in your bed. We're keeping you alive. Mets game seven. You're just like looking. I pull the plug. Oh jerk! I was gonna say good movie plot. If if like it's impossible, the Mets suck, and I'm just like on you know pulling yeah. the plug or the character. You Wasn't know? there that like hundred old year woman that died right after the Cubs won? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but. Good movie plot. Fake a Mets World Series win. That's an amazing yeah. movie. Boom. That's what I do. Pat, uh, Pat, Patton. It's all copyrighted already. <laughs> you heard it here Hoffa, first, yeah. folks. Yeah. So don't love, steal no, really, my idea, that Brian idea. Singer. We're going to be talking about that later. I love that idea. Anyway, because we got things in the works. Things I don't know why I picked Brian Singer to steal my idea, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so um, cast. I, I mean, it's not a big cast. No, there's a lot of you know what this was because I mean there's some recognizable faces besides our three leads, but it just had a very like they just nailed again just like myself like while seeing like my one grandmother living like in a home and then just from my mom being a nurse and or just going to hospitals like all the like uh, workers at the homes and the hospital they just seemed re- real really real to me like just the way that they were talking and their their cadence yeah they actually even honestly to even like their ethnicities like that just tends to be they actually filmed at a lot of real nursing homes okay so that that makes sense um hoffman our guy actually um did a lot of research i read at nursing homes he like went to nursing homes and interesting assisted living not not much trivia on imdb at least about this movie Gotcha. But, but yeah, Laura Linney as Wendy Savage, Philip Seymour Hoffman as John Savage, and then Philip Bosco as Lenny Savage. The two things I remember him most from is uh, the butler in It Takes Two, starring the Olsen twins. And <laughs> then he's favorites. also one of the fathers, the father of Cameron Diaz in My Best Friend's Wedding. Another movie that you know well. Yes. That's why you need to be on the Julia Roberts podcast. <laughs> Um, he's more of a theater guy. I looked him up, mm-hmm. and it's you know Phil Hoffman, obviously a big theater guy. Laura Linney, big theater person too. Yeah. So it feels like this is a very uh, theater cast. I want to say Broadway, but I feel like when people when you say Broadway, people think musicals. Yeah. You know, Broadway. There's, there's like those plays. Yeah. You know, like the dark yeah, well, stage like on the table. Philip Bosco. He's from <laughs> Jersey City. You know, like... I think he has a Tony actually. Oh. I think all three of them may have Tony. Oh, so he no, actually no, I and he and he collaborated with Hoffman twice before. I do not, not one on of them film? on yeah one on one on film one was this okay what was the name of that it was the L- in liberty so they they weren't on it together but he was in it in liberty you did, like remember the one that he plays what who did Philip Seymour Hoffman play Chasing Liberty with Mandy Moore yes 
<laughs> no, the uh, like the like time of like the Declaration and stuff like that. Oh, 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 okay. The Liberty, yes, something or other. Liberty, Liberty American Science Revolution, <laughs> uh, Liberty American Revolution, yes. the, the PBS documentary. Yes. Okay. okay, Philip Bosco's in that. Okay, so that's why, but we not didn't in see it. it. And we didn't Phil's watch Ralphie. it. We just watched his scenes. Yes, and then okay. he is the judge in Nobody's Fool. So then he does share a scene with Fulcher. Oh, so you're saying small screen, big screen? He's the judge in Nobody's Fool. Yeah. Wow. We have another Nobody's Fool co-star in this as well. I, re- I even <laughs> specifically put that Jenny would have been so uh, excited, but Margot Martindale. Yeah, all your BoJack Horseman fans out there. Yeah. Margot Martindale's and in like this. Season, small scene. Season small. three of Justified. Small right. small role, but, and then a bunch of stuff, obviously. But, yeah. But she was in Nobody's Fool as well. Yeah. Yeah she, uh, yeah, she worked a bar in that movie, right? Yeah, she was yeah. owned one of the bars. Yeah. Any other... Um, Notables? I mean, not really notables. No, the only other person that, like, if any any Dexter fans out there, uh, oh, yeah. David Zayas plays yeah. Eduardo. He's like in the opening first couple of seasons. Yeah, he's movie. like a home health aide. Yeah. What the? I don't know the actor's name, but he the um, health aide at oh Jim, Buffalo, Jimmy? Jimmy. Yes, the one that she kisses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> at, he says, she says Jamaican. He's like, I'm Nigerian. Yeah, he's actually. Nigerian. And then this is definitely a, this is G B E N G A, and then like a Kinajibi. Like it's a very. We're bad. We have to learn our pronunciations. And then actually, I kind of, and there's one other person I slightly recognize. Um, she plays his girlfriend the the polish uh what she oh she she's an adaptation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you're right you're right what's her name Kara. she's not actually polish Kara seymour yeah yeah hoffman no yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's an adaptation she's like the one that yeah okay. cool and the director is tamara jenkins yeah which i was really like heartbroken by the fact that she hasn't she's only done one no, but other... don't don't be heartbroken i know what you're gonna say she doesn't have many movies yeah so i really looked into her because she's seems like she does a really good job here yeah she is one of these people who takes years to write scripts and like research, and she always pretty much does good. I mean, she has two films, but well, uh, Tamara, Tamara, ten years. Well, she has a movie coming out on Netflix, apparently. Oh uh, yeah, I saw. I didn't click on it. I saw one upcoming. It was Private Life. Private Life. The yeah. story of her life. <laughs> Taking forever to write something. No, no, but like again, she she researched this film for so many years. Okay. Um, her first film we should mention is The Slums of Beverly Hills, yes. which is kind of like a cult classic. Never seen it, but now I'm definitely gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna see it. But yeah, that was so, honestly, and then so that was 1998. So so yeah, yeah. She does a movie like every ten years, essentially. So um, what we've mentioned, I guess we kind of teased this that after Capote, and we got this definitely in Mission Impossible, but now it's it used to be in this podcast that there was not enough information. Now they're in terms of like press junkets and yeah. interviews. There are like so many. I watched a couple. I, I know you watched a couple. Um, but in a bunch of them, Philip Seymour Hoffman says that he really liked the slums of Beverly Hills. He was given the script like four years before they shot it. Thought that it was something you know he could do. I guess he kind of blew up after Capote, and he was still very interested. And he read the script again. And he, you know, he was amazed, and he really, 
uh, he even says that like you know these interviews are at the time but he's more choosy with his scripts and he was just super excited to work on this and i mean a great end and he had apparently had a very good relationship with the director and i mean i think it shows yeah i mean she yeah, so she wrote and directed it and it's just i i mean it's a, i guess if if what she does is how she makes a good movie if that is her like whole process and she's it's not like any form of like procrastination then you do you on your process but it's just like it this is such a good movie and if, and the, you said then you said uh you know slums of uh Beverly Hills is um like a cult classic I'm going to I mean I want to I want to check it out now I've seen like parts okay. I never really paid attention um, oh, Alan Arkin's in it. Oh, Natasha Leone. Yeah, it's supposed to be good. Paul Giamatti's in the one that's, that says working. Paul Giamatti. And Paul Giamatti, who starred with Laura Linney yeah. in Nanny Diaries. No, <laughs> that, that is true. But uh, in John Adams, of course. Um, I heard someone do a really good... You know, like, there's people... I think Wit did it on Twister, and I forget for who it was. And, like, you did, like, to do a good impression, and you find that one word, like, that helps you, like, do... And so I'm not... I'm gonna try to do it. But, like, it's not... I don't think I... But for Paul Giamatti, it's billions. Like, just the way he says, like, <laughs> the word billions is just, like... That's a great way to just, like... And the deal is worth possibly, possibly billions of dollars. Speaking of Paul Giamatti, actually, one of our favorite Paul Giamatti films, oh. I know, is Sideways. Sideways, yeah. And I'm just thinking, this kind of has an Alexander Payne quality to it. Yes. And I hope they do Alexander Payne for uh, Cinemakers. Cine- I hope so, too. I'm, You know, I'm a huge Alexander Payne fan. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, Nebraska is a film I thought of, another film that kind of deals with, like, an elderly guy. About Schmidt. About Schmidt, duh. You know, like yeah. It, so it, and it, the, it's. We uh, just said Nebraska. What was it? Uh, Citizen Ruth. Citizen Ruth. I have to like. So if I had to compare uh, Tamara Jenkins to a f- another filmmaker, I, I think I would compare it to Alexander Payne. Yeah. Even honestly, the way the descendants like dealing with that and the wife and pulling the plug. Oh yeah. That's wow. just a very. <laughs> it's it would be it's a nice it's a good c- comparison pieces. Yep. Yeah. Wow. We're just tying things yeah. together here. We're 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 weaving the web. Yeah. One more thing in like the whole pre-fact stuff. I don't know if you yeah, had any more we get facts to share. Uh, so we kind of even discussed in the opening briefly, or even off air as well, the difference between like Mission Impossible and this. Yeah. So this was a question that was actually asked of him a couple times during these press junkets. There's actually one for movie film. I don't even know if that's still a thing. Um, a m- movie phone. Movie phone, yeah. It's bought out by somebody, I think. Like AOL, designs. I think. Yeah. Or, so for movie phone, um, they did this thing called Unscripted where they didn't have an interviewer. It's just Laura Linney and Philip Seymour Hoffman, and they kind of read questions from Ooh, audience fun. members. And Philip Seymour Hoffman said the only differences he felt between Mission Impossible 3 and The Savage, and he's saying a little tongue-in-cheek, but I think he was serious, was the length of the shoot, the food, and the accommodations. <laughs> And it's funny because there he's like laughing about it. Yeah. Because he's saying more, you know, it's just it's just a movie to him and he's gonna play the role either yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And it looks forward to it. But I read somewhere else where he said it cynically that they're the same. Like as much as he enjoyed doing this film, it's not like he was a little not alarmed, but kind of confused that people were acting like it was such an independent film when the same studios control everything, even a film like this. Yeah. 
and it doesn't it's not a true independent film yeah i think this is uh what's the it's 20th century fox but fox searchlight i guess or something like yeah or one of you know one of the off yeah. brands where they kind of pretend yeah. it's independent i'm not criticizing this is really around the same time as juno you know like, well it's the same actually and and i want to go over the awards a little bit later but this is you know it, it's again quote unquote independent but not really but it's it's also interesting that he he would feel that way you know it, mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting take on it, but the, the fact that uh, that he f- like pretty much brought his same work ethic to both these films it's just a testament to how great of an actor he is. So as you were mentioning, this is a very like award winning film, um, lots of Academy Award nominations. Mm-hmm. Any wins? Um, no, I don't think so. Right? No, the, it was nominated for best performance by an actress in a leading role. And then uh, Laura Linney, I'm Laura assuming, Linney yeah. and then best writing original screenplay to Jenkins. And then, can you look at the Golden Globes? Golden Globes nominee, uh, best performance by an actor in a comedy or a musical, because this is considered like, it's like a dark dr- comedy, yeah, I suppose. Dramedy, to some. Dark, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Philip Seymour Hoffman. So he got a globe. The, nomination. Uh, a nomination. Nomination. And that's the only Golden Globe nomination. Oh wow, that's that's weird. So I remember that being like uh, that's the 80th Oscars, I believe. Yes. I remember that being that's like, a great year. That was uh, a fantastic w- year. Yeah, it was. What were the screenplays? Even for because it's original screenplay. Juno, Diablo Cody, right? Uh, yes. Which one? Lars and the Real Girl. Okay, that's an interesting. Which is screenplay. another one I watched in the same screenwriting class. Oh wow! Um, great that great year, movie. Yeah. Michael Clayton, uh, Ratatouille. <laughs> And the the savages. So I mean, the, those are all well written films. Yeah. And was that the same year as There Will Be Blood? Yes. And a little interesting. I don't have their names, but we honestly don't have to look them up. But point being, the uh, Tamara Jenkins wanted, uh, who did original music for No Country for Old Men, but they signed on for No Country. She wanted that person. They signed on for No Country for Old Men. So then she had to go and find that's the same year as No Country for Old Men yeah. as well wow that's a year it's huh? There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men and the cool both thing collaborators about country, of Philip Seymour which also There Will Be Blood postponed the shooting of No Country for Old Men because of the big oil fire it was seen in the distance they were shooting oh, at really? the same time in Texas wow film film yeah. trivia right here I thought that though was like a really and again uh, it's a rare at the time rare P.T. Anderson film that does not feature yes. Philip Seymour Hoffman and so we said that he wasn't nominated for an Oscar for this film, and then he was nominated for a Golden Globe. But you actually you, oh, yeah, you yeah, brought yeah. some sense to this. I was like, why wasn't he nominated for an Oscar? And I'm not sure if there's a rule. Maybe there is. But he was actually nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Charlie Wilson's War the same year. A film will do, obviously, I don't a couple think episodes. that there is, but sometimes... It's I just generally like, it's something you don't see. Yeah, like, it just really takes... I mean, so he was nominated... So that would have been a lead role, even though, like, we agree that Laura Linney kind of takes more... The true, true. In the Golden Globes, at least, he was but recognized. Was, was he? Was she nominated for supporting actor, supporting actress? No, she. I mean, she should Just be best actress. Okay. Yeah, she was nominated for best. Actress. So I guess, I guess, supporting lead. I don't know. I guess the but Academy he, didn't feel like he was nominated for Charlie Wilson's War, best supporting actor. Yeah, it only happens. I remember Jamie Foxx was nominated but, for both. Have you heard them? <laughs> won that year fair what's the most you ever lost on a coin toss good good year wow <laughs> oh yeah it's a fantastic anywho savages the savages i keep doing that let's get into the this savages. baby yeah this film again has like so many it just paints such a vivid picture 
And I love every way that they set up scenes from just like the exteriors that they show in this title sequence is superb. And then every, again, like every scene, a big thing that I'm really learning as like, you know, wanting to hopefully have a career in making films is something, a big thing I'm taking away is just like cutaways and the cutaways that they use to like add to the tension in these scenes. And again, just to paint a very vivid picture, like one that really like comes to mind is the first time they go like to the hospital and they see like his, you know, like the, like the pee bag for the catheter. Oh God. And there's just all these little like insert things that just make this movie tremendous as far as, and one of my favorite scenes, but we're not going to play this clip because they do not speak a word is when they go to the like family help for people like with dementia like the support group. Yeah. They do not speak a word. Uh, But what happens in that scene, just from their faces of walking in and being like, and people clapping for them and trying to make them. And the woman like bringing out the book for like, you know, dementia for dummies and stuff like that. And then they take the cookies and she says, we haven't started serving refreshments yet. And he just kind of takes the cookies from both of them and puts them back on the table. Like I was thinking the same thing. There's so much. I was like, what clips are we going to use? Because there's so many, great scenes where there's no dialogue yeah or minimal dialogue or the dialogue is happening with other people or like other people around them you know just how they're reacting this is an actor's film yeah like i mean again or another scene that just by like one like a few words i love when they bring him to like the uh what what was the name of of the place that they move him to it's, there's so many like of those like cliche like Green Hill shitty. Yeah, yeah. So like I remember it like it opens in Sun City. Yeah. Arizona. And like I don't know, that place seems like my nightmare. <laughs> I was gonna like yeah. I've only been to Arizona once and it was a very cliche trip of like stopping the Grand Canyon, stay there for a couple nights. But like it just seemed this this movie just made me go like it I mean it makes you it it makes you face like your fears and just like thinks of like a big pro- I mean there's plenty of problems with our country but a one that's constantly said for many many years now is the way that we handle our senior citizens but like at least that area seemed like again like you know uh, connectively like our nightmare I do not want to ever be like in although for a second it's like wait is it going to be like college? Like by the time we get there that we're going to like, we all went to dorms together. Like that generation that like lives in like a senior community. Like, you know, it's yeah. I mean, if you think of it like, if you think of it like that, like it doesn't seem so bad, right? Like Like, our generation is going to have a lot of like elderly people that die doing keg stands. (laughs) No, I mean, it's like you're you're going to college again. Yeah. Like, so there might be, I don't know. Again, if all my friends are going to be living there, I don't know. But anyway, but it's just like, but I mean, just the way they start out with just again, that very like dreamlike old music and then the older women, like obviously that stage, but they're just, dancing and like matching uniforms <laughs> but then they just what they just image. they just show you like i love it it's just like they show you the houses like dancing the cactuses golf swim cacti ball, cacti ball. oh cacti <laughs> uh but bocce ball bocce yeah and so it's just like and then sun city arizona Ugh, but we we very quickly meet 
Lenny, Lenny yeah. Savage, in one of the most vile ways ever. Ugh. This movie is in your face. It, look, it, like you said, it's a dark comedy. It's a dramedy. It's in your face. It's visceral. It's like gross at times. Not gross out. It's real. I guess that's what yeah, I'm going well, for. It's it, real. Honestly, again, it just makes you like, like whether you've had to deal with that already or that you're fearing that you're going to have to deal with that or that you are going to be going through that someday. Oof. And so it's I just like, it. it's just, you meet like Lenny and then I think her name's Annie. And then, uh, as we said, then, uh, I forget the gentleman's name, but they're, they're helper. It's her helper, actually. It's her helper. Like, he kind of... They've been dating, It's they say, 20 I think for 20 years. Yeah. So they must be pretty old. And he's losing it. Cool. Yeah, he's, he's like... Starting... She has, like, a lot of... She has, I think, dementia, too, right? She has issues, but he certainly has issues because yeah, but then he it... takes it out on this home health aide. Well, the whole thing is, right, he doesn't flush the toilet, and the yeah. home health aide takes a cereal. So he's like, flush the toilet. And instead of flushing the toilet, he... Digs into the toilet and rubs his feces on the wall and then writes <laughs> prick into it. Yes, he literally writes prick in yeah. shit on the mirror. So that lends us... And this, obviously, this tends to, like... I mean, besides, like, we're not disagreeing, but just as far as storytelling, cut to, you know, Wendy or to her answering machine. So the fact that we're getting introduced to her first, like, that, you know, like... I mean, unless it's an ens- a big ensemble film, that tends to, you know let you know this is going to be our lead character and she's the one that gets contacted first not not jonathan and so there's left a message and then we see her work environment where she's working in these basic cubicles yeah. but i love it through her like voiceover and she's then writing out because she wants to uh get like a grant or something along those lines that she's writing a semi-autobiographical play like it's a really i thought it was a really brilliant way of like exposition with in a like a unique way of her in like thinking in her head and typing out to these people that she wants like this grant from of what her play is about yeah yeah i think it's great it just shows like the dimension to her character and again she's like an aspiring playwright living in new york she's like taking temp jobs yeah good for her she's definitely the like all like kind of the not that people in New York don't have problems, but the way that she's like like the issues that like she has like it almost seems like she would be playing the character that like stayed in their hometown, which New York might have. I don't know where they yeah, we don't know. grow up, but point being, it just seemed like she was like closer to being like I'm like oh good for her she does live in New York like you know yeah I mean but again she could they could be from New York yeah. I mean it's possible because and we'll get into Philip Seymour Hoffman's character but I think he lives in Buffalo because that's where he teaches yeah he teaches at some university up there and that's kind of cool because then that was like his that's near where he grew up so yeah oh did we mention the the actor who plays this character uh, god what is his name in this film he he's the married man her, her, um, not boyfriend, but yeah, like who she's he's sleeping with, yeah, sleeping with. I mean, he's a pretty pivotal role in the film. Yeah, so his uh, name is uh, Larry. Larry, I get like Lenny, Larry. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, no. I mean, you could definitely like. There's a little bit of uh, both her, both her bald men, her father and her. Yeah, I mean, they they mentioned the daddy issues at at times. Yeah. That actor's name, just for the hell of it, Peter Friedman. Okay. I mean, I think he does a good job, too. Yeah. 
And so he he's a neighbor who's married. Yeah. In the building, and they're having like an affair. Yeah. Pretty much every time he takes his um doing air quotes takes his dog for a walk. Marley. Yeah, Marley. And me. <laughs> it's so funny that like yeah they pick that same name, but whatever. But um, but yeah, so like. Yeah, his wife probably thinks that he's going for taking the dog for a walk. Poor dog. I know, right? Getting her walks. No wonder she is. His dog even plays like a pivotal like story kind of role. No, definitely. Um, But and I love the face that the dog is like looking when they're having their old lame sex, and he's just like, that's like what I'm more worried about that I'm going to be like a single guy. Well, he's not single; he's cheating. (laughs) But uh, just like the way he's like, yeah, but that sex scene to me is one of the most amazing sex scenes I've ever seen on film nice. because it's like visceral and real yeah again you know it's not yeah, just it's not two, a good sex we should just two, say like, if you haven't seen the movie it's not a good sex no, scene no it's just you know, it's, two, like he's on top and it's just like pale fleshiness just on top of pale flesh <laughs> well I was thinking like that oh. but but yeah and it, just very like little like it, it's ugly it's yeah. it's Cool. It's not, vanilla of the vanilla. Vanilla. It's because we see so many of these like Game of Thrones sex scenes yeah. on film, and they're just like yeah. passionate and like heated. Yeah. And this is like, he, he, you could tell like he, he what he wants. You could tell what she wants out of it, and it's just kind of this lameo sex scene. She uses an, an excuse that she. Has. It's funny because she says she has like a uh, something a cervical yeah. thing. But she just got a message before that. That's yeah. Every, so there's two okay. messages on them. One of them is like from the healthcare. But she, first she hears a message that her everything from her pap smear like went well. So there's no problems or whatever. But that's also yeah. That's important to bring up because later on she lies about something. And it's I just thought it was a really good job of Laura Lane because it's not like a crazy way that she delivers it, but the way she delivers information later on in the movie that she lies about she's delivered it all of a sudden i went like again because i hadn't seen it in a while uh but then i mean i remembered what was going to happen but just the way she delivered the line i was like oh that's her go-to like i'm lying but i want sympathy voice and she just said i mean laura lenny's phenomenal she's outstanding i can't say it enough on this on this podcast no. you know she's always always great so then we get to meet our guy, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. So then Wendy calls John. Like we said, he's a he's so he's he has a doctorate in philosophy, but he teaches drama. Yeah, they're both into theater. Yes. <laughs> and I love and I wrote it. Um, this was one of the few trivia's, but I wrote it down even before reading the trivia. He said to her, "He's like, I'll call you back in the morning." He's like, "We're not in a Sam Shepard play." And so, number one, that's fun because that's just a great reference as for him as a uh, theater yeah, drama that's professor. Yeah, actually, yeah, something that that drew him into the role as well. Yeah. Like he could really relate to this character. With yeah, his love for theater. And then on top of that, he was in theater and he also performed in a Sam Shepard directed play. Back Sam in Shepard. R.I.P. Yes, didn't he recently pass away? Yeah. Yeah. And then the big thing is that they get the phone call about you know him the defecation and the writing on the wall but then the biggest thing is that then annie dies and so there's this whole thing they go down there and they think that their father's going to be able to live and you already see from when they're the phone call to when they're going down the differences between the siblings yes them in the airport yeah she's so like nervous and concerned and she wants to help him so much closing robin's a little bit pragmatic and cold yeah i would say that that's fair to say yeah and 
So um, pretty much, and then we and we also learn right away that uh, John's girlfriend, uh, she's Polish, and her visa's up. And even though they've been together for three years, they're not gonna. He said neither of them are ready to get married. At least that's what he says. Yeah, then. that's what he says. And I, this was, I love this line. He just he says, Laura Lenny. He goes, "We're not in therapy right now. We're in real life. Like that's just the way. They're clearly." Like kind of like two broken people that I've had to deal with. I mean, even again, she she says that we get this through like her talking about her play exposition, but she says that they were, you know, both, uh, you know, they had an abusive father. So whether he was, yeah, I think that's more of a reveal at the end, you know, yeah, because abusive can mean so many things, never good, yeah, but and we'll get into it at the end. It turns out to be physically abusive Mm -hmm. and it's not really revealed if he's ever abusive to her but it's very clearly he uh phillips and robin's character john did not have a good relationship with him no um i just it's again this film is just filled with so many like delicious little moments and i love that them signing the card and him just like she starts reading like she's like yeah oh, i have a big selection he just grabs it again that just that shows they're perfect she's like worried about the message he's just like eh, grabs it from her and just <laughs> signs his name and then i love just the way he's even holding this balloon that says like i love you <laughs> while they're talking to annie's Children, or at least like her daughter or her son, and like who you know, one of them is related. And they're a married couple. Yeah, and, and like that's where it reveals that they've been dating twenty years, and they haven't seen their father in longer than that. They didn't even yeah. know he was living in Arizona. No, 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 no. It's very strange, and it, and I don't know if you mentioned this, but like it, it's also revealed the mother ran off on the family too. Yeah, so they kind of you know didn't grow up with a stable parental relationship. And they're kind of forced now to be parents because uh, he was just not mooching, but kind of a little bit. Uh, Lenny, that is, yeah, was like, mooching off his girlfriend there, and it, yeah. but and, essentially his girlfriend's family. And again, I forget what it was called, but like the way Phillips Moore Hoffman describes it, the way John John describes it to Wendy is like it's a prenup before even getting like married. Like, yeah, you know, he's not so. entitled to any of her things, any yeah. of her stuff, and they essentially have to find him a place to live. Yeah, so she, I think, I mean, yeah, she stays down there and he goes back up to Buffalo. But even before that happens, they visit him at the hospital. And again, like I said, like, you know, you go in there and there's like a Billy Mays infomercial (laughs) and there's the pee bag. And it just like, it, it just, it just sets like, and then him saying that, you know, like, oh, my son is a doctor. And she's like, well, he's a doctor. And, you know, like. Like that's whether it's his dementia or like he just doesn't really know. Or that's what we don't know. It could be both. Yeah, because it could be just he heard through the grapevine his son was a doctor, didn't realize he was yeah. like a doctor of philosophy and theater. And they're staying at that Best Western. That's like that old couple singing. Uh, you make me feel so young. <laughs> Ugh. And it's just all like like again that just that whole world in that area of Arizona, like just like a you know place for people to like their stay dry. And just <laughs> no, no, I know. I mean, look, it's it's a this is a sobering movie. Yeah, it's a. But you know what I enjoy, and you mentioned something with the whole Billy Mays thing. Not just, obviously, we we said this many times. Philip Seymour Hoffman is a subtle performer. His subtleties are beautiful. Laura Linney, her subtleties are beautiful. 
But the subtleties of the director's choices with, like, the background noise on these TVs, there's one where it says, like, you know, like about a North Korea missile testing. There's another one. I'm just like, there's there's so much noise going on around them, but not to their life. To their life, they don't have this, which is, like, a problem, but they're family, and they just have to get through it. But you never feel that kind of intensity ever. You know, it's a, it's something that more with Laura Linney's character, she feels like an, an intense about her father, but it's never like, like, do you feel a lot of tension in this film? I don't think so. A lot. Of, mm, well, I do. I when? Think, I mean, just between like the two, like, be, I mean, between the two, the two siblings, as far as them. Like, especially once we find out that she, like, lied, and we can just see that there's, a, like, a competitiveness between them. Yeah, the- but to me, that wasn't, like, so... Th- yes, there is a competitiveness, but that wasn't on-your-seat tension. Oh, okay. You know, it, mean, it, like, it, to me, that's subtle competitiveness. That's the beautiful well, subtlety of the film. Okay. Like, uh, this, that's me I making a compliment. I call it tension, but that, like, I, like, I mean, on-the-seat is, like, like, to me, then suspense. But I, I get what you're okay, saying. Okay, sorry. I mean, they not... were splitting hairs. No, I, uh, <laughs> no, I get it. It's not. We're. I mean, like, uh, yeah. This okay. is this is an awkward, realistic film. Yes. This isn't something where it's like building to something necessarily. It's no. just The happenings in a part of their life. No, and and honestly, I didn't actually remember the exact ending of the movie, and so I didn't either. When it when it was coming to the end, I was like, oh, how did they? Like what's gonna? I know it's not like a perfect like, wrap you know, wrap it up and put a bo- you know put a bow on it kind of movie. Maybe it does have like a little bit of a happier ending for them, a little closure for our characters. But still, it's not like, you know, it's real still. Exactly real. That that's my word for it too. So you mentioned Hoffman goes back to Buffalo. Yeah, and I love the little exchange that they have when because he's going and he's looking at uh, up there. It's called uh, Valley View, and she's like, "That <laughs> oh, sounds yeah. nice." Yeah, that's and then like a and she's like, "And does it smell?" And he's like, "Just goes, they all smell." <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I we haven't mentioned this yet. I but... really get the character of John. It's just like this, <laughs> like kind of like crassness to everything as well. We haven't mentioned this yet, but. It's something I'm sure you thought of, and I did too. I mean, another reason he pro- he might have chose to do this film often is that he's from upstate New York. He's from Rochester or the Rochester yeah. area, right? Which is not far from Buffalo. No, so it was, yeah. Seemed like they filmed on location, but uh, yeah, his mom probably visited him. <laughs> probably. Uh, let's let's play the first clip, and I and I would love, uh, and it, it'll be the they go to the diner with Lenny, and well, well let's let's play it for you right now. In the event that something should happen, um, mm-hmm. how how yeah. do you want us to? Um, Dad, what if you're in a coma? John, would you would you would you want a, a breathing machine to keep you alive? What kind of question is that? Well, it's a question we should know. Uh, in case. In case what? In case something happens. Nothing's going to happen right now. Nothing new. Right. It's, it's this procedure. It's something they want for their records. Who? The people who run the place. The Valley View. 
What the hell kind of hotel is it? Dad, it's not a hotel. It's a nursing home. Unplug me. What? Pull the plug! Okay, Dad, so now, um, once we unplug you... I'm dead. Right. And then we... What? What do we do with you? <laughs> bury me! What are you, a bunch of idiots? You bury me! So, just to set the scene, they've brought uh, Lenny to Buffalo. Yes, which... We should. Be, I, I was so excited. I wanted to play this clip, but that airplane scene. Oh, so, so I, I take back. Like that scene had a little bit of tension. Yeah, and again, I've it just makes you feel so bad, and just like, how, and then also makes you respect like the human mind, like the nervousness in his face, and like the helplessness slash also like um, what's the word I'm looking for when you just like feel you know it's like he feels useless and like you know like just that realm when he's when they're transferring him from the one wheelchair to like the stand-up thing that he like when they're strapping him just like the look oh yeah on his face this movie is as much about him and people who go through dementia as it is about the caretakers i'm surprised he wasn't nominated yeah no he did great but it's as much about the caretakers too caretakers have to go through so much and so much just embarrassment yeah. like for lack of a better oh, so word so much embarrassment but then also like you have to feel like you obviously also get like attached to certain people of too, course and... no no but caretakers I mean I mean uh, the, the siblings oh okay family members okay. just that embarrassment and, and the embarrassment is not a great word just the humility yeah. of the situation the humbling of the situation that's also what I was trying to say like humiliating like, yeah it's like what like, because then when they're on there and she, it's kind of, I guess, technically her fault because before they leave for the airport, she's like, oh, suspenders were never your look. But then when they're on the plane, like, then he's like, stand, they're slowly walking towards the bathroom as pants fall down. Then we get that reverse, like, wide shot to just see, like, him staying there, pants down, just like big old adult diaper on him. And you're like, yeah. Oh, uh, anyways, let's get, to, so to talk about the clip we played, um, they're in that diner. And again, John is the straight shooter while like uh, Wendy is trying to tiptoe and this is this this is the scene that my mom was just like yeah that's me that's your aunts and uncles that's like Wendy right there and it's because like she's just like it's I mean of course it's death and then you're talking about your father's like you know like you know we're we're all going to die but obviously like I'm okay talking about maybe mine right now or others, but it's because you don't feel like that's. I'm not close. on death door. You're, you're invincible. No, it's because I'm <laughs> hopefully not on death death door for you know at least like another I don't know four five years. years. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I know that would make you so happy. Your death, yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Who would I host this podcast with? <laughs> I, I'm Split kidding. the time up between Manzi and Jenny. If it was in a funny way, I might laugh, but you might laugh too. Yeah, don't deny that. But no, no, we're not planning for your death. But yeah, so um, oh yeah, no, I mean just this scene. Um, 
Yeah, he just says, like, all right, Dad, like, you're in a coma. What do you want us to do? And, and uh, what you don't get from the clip is just the whole diner. The audio, obviously. I'm saying. Yeah. The whole diner is, like, looking at them at this point when he starts yelling. Yeah, because he's just, unplug me! And then, uh, and then especially, like, okay, and what do you want us to do after that? And just the way he's just like, what, are you an idiot? And, yeah. like, these are the moments that you're like, so is this... The dementia guy, or is this the abusive father, or is this probably, probably just, a mix of or, both, or or is it just even like the reaction that obviously even someone that is neither, but they're being faced with their own you know reality at that point, but they're you know obviously much closer to death's door than you know than the people that are talking to them. So he just he wants to be unplugged and he wants to be buried. Like that is his you know. That's what you at least the, at least it came easy. At least they didn't have to pry. Yeah. Like her face throughout the whole scene. And then even 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman's again. Like just like he, like he shakes a little bit when his dad is just like yells, "Unplug me!" And then like, "What are you an idiot?" And probably brought him back to childhood. Yeah. So this whole time, once the three of them are up in Buffalo. Uh, Wendy is staying at John's, and in the beginning, also the she she then also sees uh, Katya, but Katya is um, leaving like the next day, yeah. and that that's like his his Polish girlfriend. Yeah, and he's with giving the visa expiring. I love that she's like he cries when I make him eggs, and then she makes eggs, eggs in the morning. He's crying, yeah. <laughs> but the no, a big scene that um, between the two of them. Well, so they play te- indoor tennis at one point, and he pulls his neck. So actually, I can relate with this because this, I had to do the same thing when I was the summer I was nine years old. I sprained with Christopher Reeves broke, so I was in the same kind of traction except sitting. So you kind of went through the same struggle as Christopher Reeves, is what you're saying? No, as Philip Seymour Hoffman in this movie. Don't try to put words <laughs> on my mouth. So I'm saying his character I relate to, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman in real life, the fact that he worked at a deli. All I'm saying is, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman and I are, you know, like... I just did. I crossed my fingers over one another. For <laughs> so many things are popping in my mind now because you mentioned like it takes two before. And now I'm thinking like the stupid end, the full house when Michelle oh, falls yeah. off the horse, and then Christopher Reeve. It's all tying together. All tying together. Anyway, anyway. Um, so Philip Seymour Hoffman or John is standing there like with this like three liter bag that just like realigning his neck eighteen or pounds. I can't believe that. Feels like that's a lot. Yeah. Um, and so he's just like standing there, and she makes him like a tuna melt. And it's just this really awkward scene. And she makes him, she makes him a tuna melt, and it's just awkward him like eating it and like. Do you make slowly. your tuna melts like that? I number one hate making tuna melts. It's such a smelly sandwich. It is a very smelly sandwich. Yeah. And no, I actually perfected. They always did it a certain way at the deli, and then I ended up trying to make it much more like. The crab, deli you worked cra- at. Crab cakes, the deli I worked at. I end up, I take it, the tuna, you know, the tuna salad that we make, and then I just put it onto a griddle and make it, like, much more, like, crab cake style. And that doesn't smell as much. And then I take a couple slices of cheeses, I put it on the griddle, let it melt for, like, five seconds, take a spatula, flip it, put it on top of the tuna melt. So do you do it open-faced or, like, a sandwich? Because she was doing it open-faced. If someone... I do it as a sandwich unless someone asks open face. Gotcha, because I, I would too. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> so she has these open-faced tuna melts. <laughs> She's like feeding him. Yeah. And at this point, they're just playing like little catch-up, but he 
really he, this is like he has his moments of like putting her down yeah he's he's very condescending at times he f- definitely feels like because again they're both in the plays but she's still temping and he's actually not that he's written plays because he but has never had yeah, a play he has, published yeah but, he's a, he has his doctorate that's yeah still, he teaches plays yeah. so and then i think he mentions right that he, he needs to go away to finish his book or his mm-hmm. doctoral some kind of doctoral paper yeah. And that she should stay with her father during be Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And that's the only time. Yeah. And she just gets frustrated because I mean it is a selfish thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it, I love he uses the word he calls her life more portable. Yeah. And that's like such a condescending way to say that I'm more important than you. Which also kind of like the whole thing. He was like, "Oh, I have to go away to like right now, right." like finish my book it's just like that aspect of his job is portable so it's just like it's like kind of like a double insult yeah yeah it's and, true but, but that's when she and again i but i remembered it but like the first time I, like i saw this i went like ah this is like a similar tone and so she says like no i got like the grant from the guggenheim or whatever they called it yeah so what's her name's forwarding larry is forwarding her yeah. mail to this address uh, Whenever I hear Larry, I think in practical joke. <laughs> Larry! <laughs> no, but Larry's forwarding the mail to Philip Zimmer Hoffman. Not Philip Zimmer Hoffman. I keep doing yeah. that. But John's house, John's house in yeah. Buffalo. And she gets a big envelope. And she we see her open it, and she's excited. And she met, she tells um, John... Well, no, she has a, she has a look. Yeah. She has a, a very expressive look. Yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's not a negative one. Yeah. I mean, she... Well, we learn it's still something good anyway that she gets, but she says to him, you know, that she got the Guggenheim Fellowship, and you can tell he he, he tries to like poo-poo it and say it's not like think it's not that big of a deal, but he's like, no, it's great, it's good for you. Yeah, no, he you even know. gets a little teary at one point. He's like, no, I'm, I'm proud. Yeah, because like Cause he, he said, he failed it to get times. it six times, which is you know, it, it's funny because that's like a very prestigious award. And she's like, yeah, by the way, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because of that, he decides that he's going to stay. She'll stay. And he says, oh, we'll write together here. We'll have our own little writer's colony. Yeah. Which again, like, kind of like, and just because Katya is played by the same actress that plays a role in uh, adaptation, this has like almost like a Charlie Donald Kaufman sibling <laughs> Siblings, ride, yeah, sibling writers. It would be, that would be another, we're going to go Alexander Payne and then like Spike, like for that, like Spike, Spike Jones, Charlie Kaufman collab. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think siblings just naturally always have a little bit of a rivalry. Of course, yeah. And especially if you're in the same profession. Oh, yeah. So this is where you could see. It, it's But it's funny. But I, I love, love their little bonding moments because then the next day um, she left uh, some per- – she took per- Annie's Percocets. Yes. He's like, I love – he's like, did you steal, like, prescription drugs from a dead woman? <laughs> but then he takes – like, they both take – the Percocets a few points, and then he's driving, he's just listening to, like, German, like, opera, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Something it's very German. weird. Um, so we should mention, though, that, that their father is checked in now to this facility, yeah. this nursing home in Buffalo. It's not Oh, it's that so nice. depressing. He shares a room with the guy, and the way that guy says, like, it's just like the the nurse opening up, you know, like, the, the, sh- the sliding sheet. You know, divider yeah. and just the like curtain. say hi, yeah, say hi, and just like this other old man, like, like, like hi, just, yeah, <laughs> oh, oh, just makes me feel so bad and uncomfortable. Yeah, it does. But I mean, the staff, like, you could tell they put up with a no, lot yeah. of shit. 
but they have like a fun way. They're like, you know, the guy like tells him to put his arms up so he can take his shirt off and put another one on, and you know, they just have, they have fun and they they genuinely care. <laughs> My favorite moment, though, in the whole, uh, I guess, interaction between staff, patient, and and the savages, is that movie night they do. I guess John Savage, not John Savage, Lenny Savage hosts the movie night. I guess they have a different person. That's tense. (laughs) Yes, that's fair. With dementia host. Yeah. I don't know if everyone has dementia, but they have a different person host a movie night and he picks a movie like that takes place, I guess, in his old neighborhood. So they must be from New York. Yeah. It looks like it was filmed in New York. Or at least he grew up there. Yeah. And, it, the movie's like fine going well and then there's a whole like blackface scene I'd love to find out what movie that was yeah it seemed like it was almost two different movies it's it's possible like but it was you know we're talking like talkies like or no yeah wait, yeah no he, not talkies silent movies. silent films yeah. but it's first he's like interrupting the film the entire time because he feels like he's in the film yeah Lenny, it's reminding you can you can actually this and this is where you like you sympathize with lenny and you think like oh it's just a really bad repetitive history because he's clearly it's like a mother a father and a son and he's like just like he used to do to me and like starts screaming and like because the man in the silent movie is like gonna abuse his like son or whatever and then cut to then also like Al Jolson kind of like blackface. Yeah, literally putting the blackface makeup. Which yeah, you mentioned there, are, there are a lot of black people, pa- both patients and much of the staff. And much of the staff. And when they're leaving that night, and it's like, it's, it's like super offensive, yeah. and they know it. And John and and what's her name, uh, Wendy. Wendy are like, oh my god, and like, yeah. like you're they saying, don't even wait for the elevators. Like John's just like, let's take the stairs. Oh, so embarrassing. But um, uh, the next next clip I think we'd like to play for you guys is that they um, we have they go to what, what what was the name of the facility that she really liked? Green Hill Manor. She Green, sees like a yeah. commercial and we get like in this commercial and she's yeah. like you know he said what did he say it sounded like it sounded like a insane a sane asylum. Insane asylum yeah. <laughs> uh, so she wants to move him to a nicer facility. Yes, and this is also he has to have an interview. And this is where this is the scene with uh, Margot Martindale, and after it, we learn that you know John asks Wendy like, "How much did you tell them?" And she pretty much didn't give them. She said like, "Oh, my father's like on you know like some days he's on, some days he's off." Like does not reveal to this place no, that he this has place, dementia. This place is not like an assisted living, not a an assisted living. But that's like a term that's kind of loosely thrown around. It's it's a place that has very high standards. They're not a they're not a care facility. Yeah, you know they're just basically a facility for older people. Uh, once people develop some kind of disorder, they're probably moved to a different kind of facility. Yes. They take early term people, so they're, she's trying to get them to pass it. I don't know how she thinks this is going to work. By the way, with with what we've seen so far. Yeah. But yeah, so the interview doesn't go well. And so yeah, let's play the clip. They've already put Lenny in the car, and this is John confronts Wendy. What'd you say to them? I said he was pretty good, except he goes in and out every once in a while. In and out, Wendy. The man's got dementia. I I, I know, but I but they they only had beds for for people who were more independent. I thought if we could just get him in there. Right, why are you wasting our time on fantasies? She said she would put him on one of the waiting lists. I mean, she, Jesus, I'm, I'm just doing it for Dad. Dad's not the one that has a problem with the Valley View. No, I'm just trying to improve the situation. Is that a crime? There's nothing wrong with Dad's situation. Dad's situation is fine, but he's never going to adjust to it if we keep yanking him out of there. All right, and actually, this upward mobility fixation of yours, it's counterproductive and, frankly, pretty selfish. 
Selfish? Yeah, because it's not about Dad. It's about you, you and your guilt. That's what these places prey upon. I, I, I happen to think it's nicer here. Of course you do. Because you're the consumer that they want to target. You're the guilty demographic. The landscaping, the neighborhoods of care, they're not for the residents, they're for the relatives. People like you and me who don't want to admit to what's really going on here. Which is what, John? People are dying, Wendy. Right inside that beautiful building right now, it's a fucking horror show. Right, and, and, and all this wellness propaganda and the landscaping is just there to obscure the miserable fact that people die. And death is gaseous and gruesome and it's filled with shit and piss and rotten stink. We get a little bit of, of Philip Seymour Hoffman like raising his voice mm-hmm. that we've seen before, but the, the people are dying. And that clip goes on, and you know, like we, we just have that little bit for you. But he, he just continues on more about like these are, it's just a facade. They yeah. make it look pleasant. And it's interesting. But it's just right? to make it's more for the younger people, the kids. The caregivers, the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. To the, for them to feel the family members to feel okay when they go and visit, but in the end, it's a sick place that people are dying, and you know, like, and most of them don't even know it. You know? Yeah, it's more for the conscious of, like you said, the family members. And I was like, wow, you know, like it's no, it it's just made to think me about like, too. yeah, like yeah. It, it's it's. I don't want to say it's a racket. It's not like to that level. No, I mean like I mean, you know, like I I had a little bit of an experience with that with like my uh, one grandmother. I mean, she passed away like three years ago now, but she oh she lived in the same house that like my grandfather, that my mother grew up in her whole like family and everything. And then we finally, you know, it was just one of those situations that she fell, and it was just like this is not good. She like in her you know in her house, and you know. Point being, it was just time that she should be like in a you know somewhere after she, she got a rehab be monitored. Yeah, exactly. But it was still it was fine. Like it's not like someone came in every no one tucked her in every night. Yeah, yeah, like I hear that. you. And but all of a sudden she goes to a place like that, and then she joins like a bunch of clubs and she's hanging out with a bunch of other people. And so that's like great because it's in the end of the day, like you hear one of the worst things for people is like to like retire and you just need like you know brain stimulation do you think you'll die alone and unloved yes i'm just joking (laughs) no no but it's true like just um i've read that i've done research into it it's like just that social interaction is so important yeah so like that's so you know like when you think about that you're like oh that's good but then but what he says is like still true like you know like i mean it's nice that it's nice for those people but it's is so much more for just like the people that are visiting to make you feel like oh you know like the, the you know like if you money. don't visit them that often but you go there and it yeah just you know I, it, you brought up college before or like campuses and that's a great ana- analogy yeah you ever remember like like parents day or parents weekends oh yeah and they would just spruce up the campus and oh like well that's the whole thing the yeah, landscapers t- were there t- you yeah know? <laughs> yeah well yeah or just even taking tours to initially check out colleges they like obviously brought like asked students that like they knew had like clean rooms and brought you into those because like god knows you don't want to go into like the smelly like college apartment room and like see like what the real college is going to be like yeah. beer cans on the floor and... for better or worse this is a capitalist country yeah so everything's a business yeah college is a business and senior care is a business end of life care is a business and to be a business you got to sell and to sell this is these are the things you have to do yeah after this, it's just really 
it's just pretty obvious that like Lenny's gonna have to stay at this original place. Um, yeah, he he did not get into this one. Yeah. Well, he's waitlisted supposedly. And then they even have like they just have uh, this is Larry visits because he's going up to Toronto for, to, for his wife's parents' fiftieth anniversary. So he comes up there and drops the uh, uh, Wendy's cat off. What's the cat's name? Like, like I know it's not this, but it's like Andromedus. <laughs> like, I know it's not that, but it's something really long and weird. Wait, wait, I'm I gonna get this. I'm gonna I get didn't this. Write it down. I'm a dog guy, so I didn't write down cats' names. Uh, because there's also a cat at like the nursing home, and he's like they say he's the mayor. We call him the mayor. So whatever her cat's name is, yeah. You know, but like you were saying, Larry comes up to supposedly drop off the cat but you know he mentions it's like a it's like a rendezvous yeah let's go go on an adventure <laughs> and then you know and they go to a they have fun they go to i guess niagara falls by the way i like when he meets john yeah. through the window he's like oh i read your paper on blah 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 yeah, like it helped me because he's a he's into theater as well yeah. and then he's like he's a nice guy even though john's like really kind of standoffish yeah. <laughs> And then they have their little rendezvous with the days in, and then but again she just kind of throws like the first time it was about her pap smear test. This time it's like you killed my plant. Like she's just yeah, she like, killed he killed the ficus. Yeah, the he ficus. forgot to water, water yeah. it. And and then uh, I mean the you know like the big stuff after that is that we find out that Wendy lied and she wasn't because uh, John does a little research and he said that he's like what it was the New York Times posted the winners of the Guggenheim uh, like the list of list that, and she wasn't in it yeah. yeah she wasn't in it that's another good clip yeah so let's let's play that for you they published a list in the paper and your name wasn't on it what the Guggenheim Foundation took out an ad in the New York Times announcing their fellows for the year and your name wasn't on it that's weird yeah must have been an oversight can you let me in? I'm freezing. It, it wasn't. What? An oversight. How do you know? Because I called the Guggenheim Foundation. Let me in the car. Hi, Dad. Hi. I called them to find out why your name wasn't on the list. Why would you do that? Because I was looking out for you. You were policing me. You're sick. That's sick, John. No. You're sick. You're the sick one, Wendy. A friend of mine does some consulting for the Guggenheim Foundation. He looked your name up in the computer. You've been rejected eight times. So? How many times have you been rejected? Park, that's not the point. Six. Hmm. No, no. The point is, you don't think I have any talent. The point is, you called them because you just couldn't believe that your little sister might just get one. Oh, that's not true. Yeah, yeah, it is true. No, you know, you're just like him. He never thought I could do anything on it. Why are you comparing me to dad? Comparing you to dad? What is the point? No, you don't think I have any talent. You just don't think I could do anything. You obviously don't think you could do anything either because you have to fucking lie about it. You out of your mind. I'm out of my mind. 
whatever you want to call it, I call like that's like a little bit of like the tension for me. Like, but that's it was more like just that standoffishness that she just gets so in his face, and he's like, "You're the lot." Like, like I hate like I've been plenty of like I'm a stubborn guy, but like she just. But like just knowing that you're wrong and you lied, and even if he, you know, she's like, "Well, why did you do that? You just want to prove, like, you just want to make me feel bad and prove wrong." He's like, "Yeah, but you lied. Like that is, you know." Like- yeah, I think it's funny that it turns out to be a FEMA grant that she got. Yeah, she got it because of she, 9/11. Because she, she worked downtown and she was a temp and she wasn't able to find work. I love. It. He's just like everyone was affected by that <laughs> a 9-11 joke that works yeah he's like you're gonna steal from the federal government i steal from the federal yeah government. yeah oh, that, like that's it's so intense <laughs> oh by the way i found finally found the cat's name in my notes oh genghis like okay. genghis khan what did i say andromedas andromedas you were not <laughs> it's like in the i don't know because i think you were thinking of the wrath of khan star trek andromeda Andromedus, Genghis, you know, like, boom. yeah. Thank you. We're <laughs> trying to make sense of. We're connecting. Like random, we're yeah, connecting yeah, the exactly. brain tissue today. This is going to help us, yes. like, sharpen our minds. But um, yeah, the other um, kind of angle I wanted to get to before we do the ending was her whole little, not affair, but her um, connection with that with Niger- Jimmy, with Jimmy, that yeah. Nigerian. Uh, Helper. He's not night. You know, he's American, but he does have an accent. She thinks he's Jamaican. Yeah. They, but she's outside in an earlier scene. They have a nice little chat, like in his van. Yeah. And that's when he, like, she he says he's Nigerian, and, and he said that he would like to read her play. Yeah, he would like to read her play, and she's so happy because he. She even mentions that nobody wants to read her play, yeah. which is also funny because the way she mentions it, it makes it seem like something that I find this true. Being someone who writes screenplays, I feel like. Like, or we even take this from one of our favorite films, Midnight in Paris. Just like writers are competitive, you don't want the opinion of another writer. You know, uh, yeah. Hemingway <laughs> says it, and she's like, "Oh, you know, no one ever wants to read my play. No one in theater wants to read it." And uh, he gets, she eventually gives it to him, and he reads it, and he he likes it. And did you remember? I didn't remember what happened in this from when the first time I see it. Did you remember what happened between the two of them? Because they kiss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, yeah. Because I didn't remember that, and I didn't know where that was going, and I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, he's a nice guy. Maybe they do get together. So when they kissed, I was, like, happy for her until... Yeah. yeah. And she apologizes, and he says, like, I'm in love with my girlfriend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I should get back to work. Uh, So I feel really bad for her there, because it's teased by the fact that, and this is where this is a brilliant screenplay, it's teased by the fact that when, um, what's this... All these people have like such Larry. similar names. No, not Larry, oh. not Lenny, the one from Jimmy? New York, Jimmy. Yes, what's the E names? Oh. When Jimmy is visiting her and they're in the hotel. No, Larry. Oh, it is Larry. Okay, yeah, sorry. That's Larry. Oh, yeah. I am getting these things. So when Larry is visiting her, he says that like she should, you know, if she's not into it, she should find like somebody who, I don't yeah. know, is like more interested in her who can give her that affection and intimacy that she wants mm-hmm. or at least she, he thinks she wants because he's married he can't do it she's like oh you're an older man he's like i'm not that much older than you yeah but so you're thinking in your head like the screenplay is making you believe this is the first time you've seen it or you haven't seen it in a while that oh well maybe this is like her connection here maybe like this is this is like a guy she can really get close to but nope he's no, got a girlfriend the one and- little bit of i guess 
not good, but just information that we get from this scene is he's learned from his years working there that when old people's toes kind of curl, that means they're towards the end of their lives. So that we have a few moments of like her lifting up the sheets to see if like what her dad's feet look like. But I mean, after all this, there's, I, I thought I didn't remember per se, but like they get a call and then they go to the nursing home and he's still alive, but he's clearly like, about to pass, but yeah. they spend the night and then um, Lenny dies. I thought I thought that was interesting because uh, well, tell me how you're feeling about this, because you alluded to before there's like a, literally a cat fight Yeah. before that and you get, they get a call and you think because he wakes her up, right? Yeah. First time, and he's like, hey, we, we have to go down there. You think the dad's dead there, yeah. or it's possible. But again, it's actually like that her cat, uh, yeah. Genghis, who she left at the home for him, yeah, was got into a fight with the mayor, the mayor, the other cat. And then that's when she and Jimmy have that nice then, little scene. And then it's he's weird because class. almost right after, yeah. he actually dies. So it's like... No, but they get a call, and it's not even that he's dead. They go there, they spend the night. No, no, I know. Yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is, like, it's it's weird that they did it. Usually when they do a tease like that in a film, I'm not saying it's bad or, or good. Usually when they do a tease like that in a film, it's a little there's a little more separation between that tease yeah. and then when ben it actually the, happens. Yeah. And it was weird to me. I was like, oh, I guess it's good because it wasn't cliche. Yeah. But then, like you said, they, they go, he's not dead, but he's... I love the Failing. student saying when when John gets the call and the student's like, "What's the difference between plot and narrative?" It's <laughs> like a fun little yeah. Like I think I I think that just the because it's a screenplay with people that are into writing and you know people that write screenplays. There's some meta elements. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there definitely some, like, is fun meta like moments, but I mean it's just after that we just pretty much see that uh, you know Wendy packs up like his stuff at Valley View and he you know and so obviously John stays up in Buffalo and Wendy is back in New York and then uh, yeah they don't even show like the burial or anything no, like that because yeah. we know it's going to happen and it's I think not funny but it's interesting that they made such a big deal of what they were going to do and they kind of when it happened it just happened yeah. for lack of a better word you know they pulled the plug and he was presumably buried somewhere, and then yeah. And so we see Larry one more time, and he brings uh, Wendy some flowers, but he doesn't. He doesn't have back in New York, right? Yeah, yeah. back in New York, but he uh, he uh, doesn't have Marley with him, and pretty much says like, "Oh, I can't even compare the two. You just lost like a person." But Marley, like you his know, dog, his dog, like they're gonna have to put it down because there's a surgery, and they just said like the chances like aren't that great. And so they're going to have to put Marley down. Yeah, so it's going to be a long re- rehabilitation process. Yeah. And she's older, so it just like wouldn't be fair. Yeah, and they talk about the, their relationship as well and other kind of stuff. And the scene ends kind of on a cliffhanger note. She's like, okay, yeah, I ask, he walks I ask away you, and then she opens the door up. Again. You can ask me something and it's not about us. Boom, and then just cuts yeah, six just like months a very later. Quick cut and it says six months later. And then we have in the theater and we see like, oh, Wendy. So she, again, he had work and new people in theater. And so we're like, okay, she, like, you know, called the favor, and she has... Yeah, that's what I assumed, right? Yeah. And then it's nice, because we're just like, oh, Wendy's doing this, but then we see that John is there, 
and being supportive and we also see him like he's actually looks pretty emotional because we see that it's like a father and son and the son is like being abused on stage yeah and that's when like it's we it's obvious we see that like it was a physical abuse yeah, a that physical occurred abuse. between the two of them yeah. and she even asks him after he he says it's good and he seems sincere do you think he was sincere that he thought it was I, good no i think he was i think he was sincere and I think yeah he yeah he i just, do too what i thought was interesting she literally asks him was it okay if i used your life and he seems completely okay with it which is it's nice because he it looks like he's actually proud of her yeah and it's not like they've kind of released that competitiveness maybe their father passing you know maybe that bond that they went through from that period I, th- I think it's that and then i think it does show that he respects and he thinks it's actually good because if it wasn't good i think he would like then just use that excuse of saying like no i don't want you using my life on you know fair fair yeah. so um and then you were saying yeah she like so she's in a good place and then we see that, or we he he lets us know that he is, you know, finishing writing his paper and he's going to Poland, uh, also to, for like a convention, and so then that means obviously like he'll get to see, po- you know, possibly that his relationship with Katya isn't over. It's one of those things too, right? Uh, where it's funny that you ever see people plan things like. Yes, he's doing a convention there. He's reading there, but he obviously is doing it in Poland so he can see her. Yeah, you know, and, and that's like a nice little tie-in too. Weird little thing, okay? So he shot, at, or at least the movie took place in upstate New York, where he's born, right? Uh-huh. That theater scene and that New York stuff is really like uh, East Village, NYU, kind of Amos yeah. Pro country. And then he says he's going to Poland, where he shot Schuler. Sure, yeah, you know, this is kind of like a Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, this, I mean. Uh, b- before obviously we could be I could be saying this at the end too, but this is like almost like a per. A, this would be, I think probably if like I had to do like a top five or like just pick five films of his career, like this would be. I think this this would definitely be in like one of the five films because again like I I was saying that this is my favorite thus far of like comparing it to him in Love Liza or an owning Mahoney. So as far as like this genre and just like a realistic lead, uh, it's just, it's fantastic. Well, at the end, I think at the end of, uh, the entire run of the podcast, we should definitely rank like our five recommendations or favorites. Yeah. We'll decide how. Yeah. There's like, obviously there's favorites, but like, then I'm just favorite saying role like, favorite film. like, you know how like we, we went and we, uh, or no, we didn't go, but like they, you know, at Alamo drafts, draft house, they do like, you know, like a Arnold Schwarzenegger night and you pick, you know, the like movies that like best represent his career. Jingle all the way. What's that? Jingle all the way. Jingle all the way. Yeah. No, but yeah, so this, this is definitely one that I would, you know, like if you're like, you needed to like introduce them to Philip Seymour Hoffman's work, this would definitely be in there. Yeah. If you, if, Let's say we were esteemed professors, yes. much like Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this film, and we were teaching a Philip Seymour Hoffman class. This would definitely be one of the films that you would teach in the class. Yeah, it just it's just a film that like you have a list and it has it, there's a lot of checks in a lot of boxes, and I think that's why this was a film that my professor chose to show uh, to like my like original like screenplay like writing class. It's a great screenplay. It's great. Yeah. So uh, I guess the 
big ending, the huge ending, at least yeah. for me being a dog guy, <laughs> is the fact that, so the favor she called in, I mean, it possibly was the play thing, but more importantly, is that Marley, the dog, ends up being her dog. I guess she pays for the surgery somehow. Yeah. And she used the 9-11 grant money. Yeah, she used the 9-11 grant money to pay for the dog surgery, and the dog's in like the like a wheel thing, yeah. and because it can't. Yeah, we first just see she's jogging along some river. I don't know if you could tell exactly what it was. It was East River. It was East River. But East River. All right. So and then we see her, but then the camera goes down, and she's just like, "All right, come on, Marley." And Marley's, you know, front front two legs are fine, but then the back half is in like like you said, like a wheelchair kind of thing. And it's just it, it's it's cute and it's perfect because it it just shows and quirky, her. and that's quirky, why also that's why if that's why it falls into like it reminds us of like an Alexander Payne, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's it's quirky. That's a great word for it, and it's also like. It, she was the compassionate character throughout. Yes, she, she uh, was the believer, and mm-hmm. and so she's her faith is faith. That's yeah. a great word for you. You're coming up with good words Thank today. You. Her faith is just amazing, and, and she's able to rehabilitate this dog, and it's such a great symbol, and it's beautiful. And again, we get a good dog ending. Yeah, we need to. I mean, this is not as necessary, but we need to probably best account for dogs all, yeah, of, of best yeah. dogs of Hoffman films. Nobody's fool has the poor Rottweiler that was drugged. Yeah, <laughs> or Do- Dorman Pinscher. We have the dog in Twister. Dog and yeah, we have the dog at the end in close to where this scene is located. The dog at the end of a Twenty Fifth Hour. Yeah. <laughs> wow, a lot of dog endings. Yeah, favorite. Yeah, favorite. Hoffman dog. got to keep that dog there, and his sister gets to keep the dog. not his real sister, obviously. Yeah. His sister in the film gets to keep a dog here. But th- I mean, that's our ending, and I mean, I, <laughs> I think, I think uh, you agree with me that you, like you said, you definitely recommend it. It's just yeah. I mean, we watched so, this film, guys. Yeah, I can't a, I can't say that enough. Can't say enough. It just meets like all the like great requirements that I think make like a fulfilling movie and a fulfilling story i mean i feel like we did a lot of laura linney and of course we did hoffman a lot as well but this is just again there's not much to say they really complement one another they do they're great i wish there were more stuff together chemistry yeah i I was just like i went through imdb i'm like oh am i like forgetting anything i'm like no unfortunately they were never like in another project together and uh they seem like just like you said, compliment each other. They seem like they have great chemistry on screen. They remind me a lot also just of, like, one another, just as far as they're, like, I feel like they just both seem, like, very hardworking and, like, humble actors, just, like, masters of their craft. Yeah. Like, they're, I, they're I very... I agree with that. Yeah. So. And this is just, again, just classic Philip Seymour Hoffman subtlety in performance or body language. All the stuff that we've gone over through this entire podcast, you see it here. He is at the top of his freaking game. Yeah, he's batting 300 right now. He's like, yeah, he's in average. What? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's an all-star right now, you know. He's rocking it. Yeah, everyone everyone wants him on their team, you know. So... So, I mean, anything else you want to add? I mean, again, no, I'm, great film. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, uh, if this happens to be the first episode you're listening to, go back and listen to some more. Uh, we had some exciting news a couple episodes ago on our second, second act recap that uh, Joey and Mike Manzi, the creators of uh, CageClub.me, that's the you know Cage Club Network podcast that we're part of and they both uh michael manzi let us know about uh third time's a charm it's going to be his first like own his like solo he's going to have plenty of guests which brian and i are going to be on multiple episodes yep one together some apart yes and so it's a podcast that they 
uh, that he discusses the third installment of a franchise. So, like, let's say Superman 3. Yeah, and all the other... Uh, Joey, of course, mentioned all his million oh, podcasts yeah, he's coming exactly. out with on cageclub.me, cageclub.me. So check out all the great stuff there. Um, the Fast and Furious podcast, I'm, I'm curious about. Did that come out yet? It's possible. I haven't listened to it yet. I, I'm going to check it out. I think it comes out soon if it didn't come out already. But that too fast, too forever. I just want to see how this is going to go. Yeah. You know, I'm just excited about that one. Um, But again, check out all the great stuff there. Listen to all our other episodes. Let us know what you think. Again, we love the comments. Yeah. We love the likes. We love the sharing. We're almost, we're at close to a thousand likes. Yeah. So get us to a thousand. We'll be doing jumping jacks for that. Maybe by the time this airs, we'll have a thousand on our page. Yeah. Maybe maybe you'll be uh, but a- reward af- us that after way. After this movie, I'm excited for the next movie we'll be discussing. It's the last film of Sidney Lumet, and that's before the devil knows you're dead. And, and have you seen it? Yes, I. I saw that in theaters. Wow. Yeah. I don't. I'm trying to think if I've seen it or not. I have to. Crazy uh, sex scenes between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Marissa Tomei. Yes, I have seen this film, but I don't remember much from it. So Eden Hawk. Nice. I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be fun. So listen, like, share, subscribe, do all the great things you do. Kyle. Stay uncool, Hoff fans. Stay uncool. Thanks, guys. Sex of things, sex of things, you.